This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, welcoming you to Week in Review for December 3rd, 2010. In the news this week, the Senate, by unanimous consent, approved legislation that its sponsors said would exempt many small businesses, including physician practices, from the identity theft red flags rule. The bill now goes to the House, which approved similar legislation last year. The legislation would more narrowly define the term creditor so that, in effect, far fewer organizations would have to comply with the red flags rule. Under the rule, organizations that extend credit to their clients must develop and implement written identity theft prevention programs that help identify, detect, and respond to patterns, practices, or specific activities known as red flags that could indicate identity theft. Under the legislation, creditors that must comply with the rule would no longer include those who advance funds on behalf of a person for expenses incidental to a service provided by the creditor to that person. Creditors that must comply under the bill would be those that obtain and use consumer reports in connection with a credit transaction and furnish information to consumer reporting agencies. Don Ismanga, Government Relations Manager for the American Health Information Management Association, said the bill apparently would exempt most hospitals as well as physicians. He said he interprets the bill's language to mean if a hospital does not regularly request credit reports, then they would be exempt. In this week's featured blog, Mac McMillan, CEO of Synergistech, says recent surveys and studies point to the need for those entrusted with patient data to place greater priority on security. The research, he says, also makes it clear that toughened federal regulations are not effective unless they are aggressively enforced. Although many healthcare organizations are serious about protecting patient data, survey after survey tells the story that some apparently are not, he notes. Where a lack of resources is a real issue, perhaps the HHS Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT should look for ways to provide support, McMillan suggests. That could possibly include offering support through the regional extension centers which offer EHR education. But for those organizations that simply have yet to make security a priority, regardless of their resources, perhaps the time has come for the HHS Office for Civil Rights to get serious about carrying out the toughened penalties for HIPAA security and privacy rule violations as called for under the High Tech Act, McMillan notes. I'll be back after a short break to tell you about the rest of our weekly review. Are you responsible for your institution's regulatory compliance program? Do electronic medical records, patient privacy, or data breaches keep you up at night? Do you have any certifications which require continuing professional education credit hours? The solution to your problems may be the HealthCareInfoSecurity.com Educational Webinar Library. You'll find plenty of courses that align with your core responsibilities. Visit HealthCareInfoSecurity.com for more information on how to access these webinars. Welcome back. In this week's featured interview... Stephen Archer of Verizon Business describes the company's ambitious game plan for attempting to issue free digital credentials to 2.3 million clinicians. Verizon will offer digital credentials for authentication of physicians, physicians assistants, and nurse practitioners who want to use various networks, 
including the company's new medical network, to access electronic health records and other information. Here's a clip from that interview. You know, doctors work in many different hospitals, and, and in one hospital, in one area, they may have, have one login and credential, and they can go to a different ward or a different floor department, whatever, and have to have something else. So the, the average is about 17 different identities that they manage. As you look at how do you make those multi-factor or uh, increase the, the security around the credentialing, they were looking at potentially facing a, a much even harder challenge of having, you know, if they've got 17 identities and all of a sudden you have to, to make it stronger and have multi-factor authentication and all these other requirements, it becomes a, a, a much more daunting exercise on their behalf. And what we're really trying to do uh, and, and hope to accomplish with, with issuing this single identity that can be consumed across the ecosystem is to really make their lives simpler but at the same time offer the ecosystem something that's stronger and better and uh, offers uh, the additional security and, and benefits. Be sure to check out healthcareinfosecurity.com for all the latest news, interviews, blogs, and more. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so very much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by healthcareinfosecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.healthcareinfosecurity.com.